0: In 1968, as the Vietnam War heated up, social and political turmoil rocked the United States. Many of you lived through that turbulent year the Tet Offensive, increased protests of the war, the riots at the Democratic Convention in Chicago, the assassinations of MLK and RFK. Some radical elements wanted to destroy the American system entirely and start over. In response, John Lennon wrote the song, Revolution for the Beatles, expressing sympathy for the radicals' cause, but not for their methods, with lyrics like these. You tell me that it's evolution. Well, you know, we all want to change the world. But when you talk about destruction, don't you know that you can count me out? Just as the Beatles were suspicious of the violence of revolutionary movements, Jesus eschewed such violence entirely. Which is ironic, because as Jesus stands before Pilate in today's reading, he is accused of being a revolutionary himself. Or, more precisely, he's accused of being an insurrectionist. In the hot political climate of first century Judea, especially around Passover, Pilate had every reason to suspect Jesus of this. After all, Josephus tells us, that Pilate had killed and beaten many Jews for rising up against Rome. He was renowned for his cruelty. In fact, he was removed from office because of, of his violent crackdown on a particular rebellion. Pilate was in the Holy City precisely because it was Passover. Passover celebrated the liberation of the Jewish people from the clutches of empire. If there was to be an insurgency, Passover would be the time. On one level, Pilate is right about Jesus. Jesus is indeed a revolutionary, but not in the way that Pilate expects. Pilate can only see the danger of violent revolution, but Jesus represents something far more ominous to Rome, the defanging of empire by depriving it of its most powerful weapon, death. Every ruler from the beginning of time has relied upon the threat of death or violence to keep order. Kings and warlords consolidated power by killing or enslaving political rivals. While we'd like to think we've evolved since then, the root assumptions haven't changed. The state has the power to wield violence, to imprison, to enslave, by the way, the 13th Amendment doesn't apply to convicts, and even to kill. Minnesota doesn't have the death penalty officially, but that doesn't mean you're exempt from lethal force if the authorities determine its use is justified. Now, we might agree that these uses of violence may be justified sometimes. Even classic Lutheran theology affirms that the state can legitimately swing the sword sometimes. But that doesn't change the fact that the state wields death as a tool to keep public order. So Jesus enters the picture with that background. Rome uses death as a tool to keep public order. Beginning in chapter two, Jesus's signs point to the abundant life found in God. This abundant life is marked by abundance and generosity is demonstrated at Cana with the wine and on the Galilean hillside with the loaves. It's marked by courage as Jesus, in the middle of a raging storm, walks across the lake. It is marked by a restoration to wholeness of mind and body in Jesus' healings, especially in his healing of a man born blind. It is even marked by the ultimate victory of life over death in the raising of Lazarus. Each sign that Jesus does in John's Gospel points to this ultimate victory of wholeness over brokenness, of mercy over judgment, and of, of faith over fear, and of life over death. If life ultimately wins over death, what lasting power do the powers of this world have? The answer is obvious. None. And that is why Jesus is more dangerous than any common insurrectionist. Jesus tells Pilate that his kingdom is not from this world. It is not defended by an army. There's no budget for bombs, tanks, or missiles. There's no earthly realm we can identify with this kingdom. There are no cities to defend, no enemy to kill. Oh, and no taxes, too. Even the word king is not the right word. Jesus tells Pilate that king is Pilate's word. Not Jesus's. Jesus's kingdom is completely immune from the normal weapons wielded by human powers, including death. Indeed, the only use of death in Jesus's kingdom is as the means of glorifying and enthroning the Son of God on the cross. As the victor over all powers that would separate us from his Father and from our Father. When the powers of this world threaten mass destruction, when a global pandemic enters its third year, when sea levels rise and extreme weather events unleash chaos, or when we endure our own personal trials with sickness or with grief, death can feel all-powerful. There's a reason that the prophet Isaiah talked about death being swallowed up forever. Death was seen as the great swallower. Nothing could escape it. Nothing could come back from it. That is what Jesus does in his cross and resurrection. Jesus neutralizes death. We still go through death, but we no longer need be afraid of it. We no longer need be anxious about death. That doesn't mean we don't do what we can to relieve suffering and bring healing to our broken world. That's part of our calling as Christians, after all. It's rooted in Jesus' own healing of the sick and suffer. It does mean that the powers of this world, of which Pilate is representative in this text, do not win. Their most potent weapon is broken. i leave you with this today. Back in chapter 14, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, a group of disciples that are confused, that are grieving, that are just unsure about what is next for them. Jesus tells them that he is the way, the truth, and the life. In a world filled with dead ends, Jesus is the way to the Father. In a world filled with lies, where bureaucrats like Pilate simply dismiss any greater reality out of hand, Jesus is the truth. And in a world where death seems to hold sway, Jesus is the life. Jesus is revolution. A revolution that liberates humanity from death and brings us into abundant life. A life marked by mercy, by grace, by forgiveness, by shalom. And this revolution is won not by bullets or bombs, but by the king's own blood. The king lays down his own life so that we might have life. And in an anxious world, that's the best news we could have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your Son, Jesus Christ, came to lead us into new life, not through wielding the usual weapons of the powers of the world, but by giving himself. When the anxieties of death feel overwhelming, Remind us that he has already won the victory and will lead us safely back to you. In his name we pray. Amen.